Profiles in Teaching with Technology is a podcast series created by Music First, a company dedicated to providing world-class cloud-based tools, content, and classroom management platforms to music teachers around the world. Each episode features a K-12 music educator who uses technology to enhance their teaching in innovative ways. We'll discuss the what, why, and how of their technology integration and hopefully share some teaching strategies that you can use in your own classroom. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. There you'll be able to find out about all of our platforms, as well as sign up for a free 30-day trial. Sean Longstreet is a National Board Certified Music Educator who has spent over 15 years developing thriving music programs at the elementary, middle school, and high school levels throughout Southern California. He is a multi-instrumentalist, conductor, composer, curriculum designer, and entrepreneur, and is a recipient of the Los Angeles Unified School District Teacher of the Year Award. His positive impact on the students, school, and community were recognized when he received that award back in 2018. Sean was also appointed by former superintendent Austin Butner to draft a blueprint for creating similar successful music programs district-wide. He developed curriculum, led professional development sessions, and provided teacher support through LAUSD's National Board Certified Teacher Mentor Program. Sean ardently advocates for integrating music, arts, and cutting-edge technology within every aspect of the learning environment. He envisions schools and communities as dynamic, interdependent ecosystems, where arts and music act not just as subjects to be learned, but as essential threads woven into the fabric of school culture. Sean recently moved from Los Angeles to France with his wife and two young children, where he is actively pursuing a PhD in cheese consumption. It is my great pleasure to welcome Sean to the podcast this week. So this week on the podcast, I have the pleasure of welcoming Sean Longstreet. Uh, Sean, I know of you mostly through LinkedIn. I'm extremely impressed with the work uh, that you've done in the past at uh, Los Angeles Unified and the work that you're doing with technology and curriculum and leadership. Sean, thanks so much for being on the podcast. Happy to have you here. Thanks. It's an honor to be here. You have so many amazing guests, um, and I've really enjoyed you know the entire backlog, listening to and gaining so much inspiration from the guests. And I have to congratulate you on being going beyond 100 episodes. That's yeah. really incredible. Um, and David from David uh, Smolliver and I were just talking um, about how incredible it is what you've accomplished and what what you can what anyone can accomplish by you know, the factors of time and consistency. Um, so case in point, yeah, 100 episodes later, you've really brought a lot of value to a lot of music educators in the space. Sean, I appreciate that very, very much. That's very kind of you. And for those of you listening, saying, who is David Smoliver? David Smoliver is the CEO of Accelerando, which is the uh, umbrella company of Match My Sound, which makes the amazing algorithm that we use for practice first and, and a very dear friend of mine. Sean, it's one of those things where the music tech world is such a small place. Um, and the people that I've met over the last 35 years in that space are some of the coolest people on the planet. And I was at uh, the Texas Music Educators Conference last week. And it's like a mini reunion of sorts. You know, you you see these people and you just immediately run up and give them a hug because um, 
you know, music educators are very special people, in my opinion, um, and they're they're the most giving people. Uh, they're the real. It's just a wonderful tribe that I belong to and that you belong to. But music yeah. tech is like a subset of that tribe, and and in my opinion, they're the coolest people. So uh, I appreciate that and and your kind words. Thanks so much. Of course, you're welcome. So we're going to jump right in, like we do with all of our guests, and I find it personally, the most interesting aspect of the podcast. And that's finding out about your path between at some point in your childhood going, hey, I like music to uh, where you are today. So if you can give us that thumbnail sketch, that'd be great. And about 10 minutes would be, uh, you know, the Reader's Digest version, as Deb Confredo called it last time. Uh, that'd be great. Yeah, I really do appreciate that part of your podcast um, because it does demonstrate to everyone that everyone has a unique story and approach and path toward where they are now and where they're heading in, in music education. Yep. So for me, I was always, you know, as a kid, really demonstrating a lot of interest in music. My parents have a video of me when I was three years old, like waving a, a stick around like a conductor and really physically emoting the music, the Mozart that was bumping on our speakers. Um, in fourth grade, I had the opportunity to join the band and I, I played flute in middle school. I switched to low brass to, to awesome. switch it up. And it's so funny, you know, I almost quit band. I was like kind of having a miserable middle school experience. And I told my teach my band teacher that I wanted to quit. <laughs> she said, and she called my parents and she said, something's going on with Sean. Uh, he, obviously he can't quit. He needs to stay here. So let's try switching instruments. And I think every person, every every person has this kind of story where a teacher intervened in their lives because I can't believe, like I'm a band director now. You know, how, how could I have quit band? Anyhow, I, I switched to pick up trombone in eighth grade, picked up low brass, bass trombone, uh, euphonium. I played sousaphone in marching band. Right. <laughs> and jazz. And yeah, I went to the dark side. I'm to, a tuba player, so there and there are many of us on this side. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, so I, I really became the quintessential band nerd, band kid. I was band president senior year. I uh, received the John Philip Sousa Award senior year, so I was really directed toward the path of becoming a conductor, uh, uh, in air quotes. So I went to the University of Redlands, uh, graduated in 2006. And I finished my student teaching at the end of the fall semester. So for the spring semester, I was really, um, you know, there aren't a lot of like job opportunities mid year. So I right. was substitute teaching. And then this job just fell in my lap doing elementary band uh, for Beaumont Unified School District. And I happened to be living there, <clears throat> excuse me. And um, I had no intention of teaching elementary band because you know the musicianship of fourth and fifth graders is is not that of the <laughs> collegiate music level and the high school level that i that i thought i was going to go down the direction of um so i told myself you know this will be a little beginning of my journey i'll do this for a couple years and a decade later um i had built out this beautiful program for Beaumont as the element itinerant elementary band director. Beaumont was in this beautiful place where they were really starting to get a big population boom. They were bringing a lot more students in. Um, and I was able to really embed myself in with the community. And I had that beautiful experience that hopefully most band directors get where they really connect 
with the community mm. and they can see the fruits of their efforts and their passions um, reflected through the community. So I had a great relationship with all the other music teachers in the district, and we really worked seamlessly to create this path for musicians to start in a robust elementary program, continue through middle school and high school. So that was a beautiful, the, the first decade of my career. And I was really, you know, doing elementary allowed me to pursue my other passions of composing and writing. And um, I was, I had my own uh, jazz quintet. I was composing for wind band and my jazz ensembles. So I was able to pursue those things. Um, and then out of the blue, I met someone. And after professing my uh, my disdain for Los Angeles. <laughs> I said, I'm never going to live in Los Angeles. Um, I met someone and uh, just com completely fell in love and dropped everything. I just resigned from my position and I said, I'm, I'm moving to Los Angeles and I didn't go. really have it lined up. Um, but sometimes you got to be a risk taker. And yeah, so I moved out uh, to LA and I found a position as another itinerant elementary position with Los Angeles Unified School District. And about four days in, I realized I received my assignment of the schools I would be teaching for. And you, I heard you talking recently about how huge LA is. And when Massive. you are coming as a new teacher, you're not getting like your first choice of schools that are just close to you. So uh, I think the closest school was maybe 25 minutes, and the farthest school was an hour and 15 minute commute each way. And I thought this is this is not going to be sustainable. So I. I reached out to Chris, Christopher Rodriguez, the arts education branch, um, one of the employees there, one of the administrators. And I said, if you have anything open up, middle school, high school, um, let me know. I, I'm curious about, you know, moving outside of elementary. And he said, funny, you should ask. Um, there is a program at Walnut Park Middle School. It's a brand new school, amazing principal. They have a band room and music stands, but there are no instruments. So you would be building this from scratch. And I said, sign me up. That sounds like a fantastic challenge. And within two years, um, I had advocated a pretty clear vision to the principal about what I wanted to create. She helped me find funding. I secured grants from Music Will, which was then Little Kids Rock oh, at the time, cool. and then VH1 Save the Music Foundation. And we, we built a band program just like lightning fast. And to see that send these ripples of enthusiasm through the community was so empowering, so exciting. Um, so that really launched my career with LAUSD. Uh, my efforts there were recognized. I was nominated for LAUSD Teacher of the Year and won that award. Wow. Um, I built a relationship with the superintendent, Austin Butner, mm. And so I spent seven years total in LA Unified. Um, in my last three years, I worked for a university high school, which was just a, a career highlight for me um, because they had this amazing recording studio. The previous director set things up beautifully and he had to leave and he passed it off to me and he said, uh, we're really focusing on the recording arts here. Um, due to a grant, they had a $3 million studio that had just been installed. <laughs> so it was like the full, it was a D command board running Pro wow. Tools. Um, so I inherited this beautiful program at university high school, um, with AP music theory, a keyboard lab, um, wind ensemble, orchestra, jazz ensemble. So it was a pretty ideal situation. And I being a lover of music tech as well, and podcasts and recording and composing and arranging, I just felt so at home in that, in that school. And 
everyone, I had one of those administrators that said, we support you, do what you like, follow through on your vision. Um, with no hands tied behind my, by, no, no hands tied behind my back and the support I needed. So yeah, that's, a, that's a, the quick journey of, yeah, how I started and how I, how I ended up with, um, LAUSD. That's amazing. Uh, and it, it, you know, similar path, uh, I, although I didn't have the dream kind of facility like that, I started as an itinerant elementary band director and thought that, uh, I immediately actually realized that it wasn't what I wanted to do. I really, uh, was looking for that music tech, uh, piece. Um, I thought I always wanted to be a band director, but, um, uh, so I spent one year as an itinerant, uh, elementary band director solely. And then the next three as a, uh, itinerant middle school and elementary school itinerant band director. I, that was, that was a lot of fun. So yeah, great, um, great path. And, um, uh, so now you're in France and you're doing consulting, uh, you know, tell us about what you do now. Yes. So to recap the, uh, the end of my journey with LAUSD, I've, I have two young kids ages four and three now. Wow. And we were just, you know, living in a real small one room, one bedroom apartment. And I thought this isn't sustainable for my family. And despite how much I love my job, um, I think we're going to move in a, in a different direction. And my wife <clears throat> is a singer songwriter, uh, incredibly talented. And she would, this opportunity opened up for her, for us. And she was able to get a talent visa, um, wow. to move to France. And so it's a four year talent visa and, and with the option of extending. And we thought, you know, you do anything for your kids. And as challenging as it is to move to another country. Um, I took two years of French in high school, <laughs> but, uh, a lot of that is kind of like rusty and it's coming back, but the opportunity to raise your kids in another country where they can learn another language and have access to another culture. Um, there's just a lot of, there were so many reasons for us to give this a go that we decided to go for it. So yeah, I turned in my letter of resignation for the second time in my career <laughs> that I'm, I'm taking a leap of faith here. And so, yes, we are living in, in the Loire Valley in France right now. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, I'm so jealous. I would love to do that someday, Sean. That is uh, fantastic. And, uh, I, 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 I admire, uh, that kind of sense of adventure and your kids will thank you for it. I absolutely am, am confident of that. So cool. Yeah, and, so. And, so, and so great that, uh, you know, through the magic of, uh, you know, technology, we're able uh, to talk together. I've had so much experience recently with international schools. I was in Croatia mm -hmm. in November and then in uh, Germany in January, speaking with um, teachers in those international schools who are teaching American kids uh, who are abroad and the the thing the theme that always comes through is how lucky these children are to be able to broaden their perspective of the world uh, by by being raised in in a different country and going being able to go back and forth. So yeah, that's that's uh, absolutely fascinating, and I'm super jealous to be honest. That's great. <laughs> well, so it's um, good to hear that. oh, go ahead. Go, no, you go. It's good to hear that feedback because obviously a move like this is full of its challenges. Mm -hmm. um, so it's good. I, I do need to remind myself that um, I'm living a dream you know, in many, in many ways, a dream that many people have and, and not everyone can follow through on, yeah. which was another nudge for us to really make this work because uh, here, here. Opportunity. so um, yeah, so I am, 
taking this passion that I have, not only for music education, but uh, you know, teacher support yep. uh, and building out platforms and programs that help enable teachers to do more. Um, now I'm trying to do that at a higher level um, and support teachers and help foster creative learning environments and schools that incorporate music into every fabric of, of the learning environment. That's awesome. So let, let's dive into the topic at hand, Sean. Um, and that is what you think the role of music technology is within a music program. Obviously you've had kind of the full 360 degree experience where, you know, an, an elementary band program, maybe not as, as immersive an experience as, being at university high school with a with a three million dollar recording studio. So what what do you think of and and when you're, you know, consulting with teachers or schools, you know, what do you say when what what is the role of music tech in a music program? Completely depends on the teacher and the students and the school and what the community is looking for. So ultimately, technology is here to enable us to do what we are already doing better and to push us to do more things to meet the needs of our learners. And so much of what Music First does supports teachers in, you know, providing uh, real-time assessments of their students and providing valuable feedback for their students to help their students develop um, as individual players, as musicians, and this has ripple effects of creating um, performance ensembles that perform to a higher degree. Um, it can mean enriching opportunities through uh, more promoting like cultural and creative awareness. Mm -hmm. It can, and so much of what I see, especially with music first beyond the assessment platform is the creative platform. Yeah. And I think this element of creativity is such a salve right now because the world is changing so quickly and AI is disrupting everything. And it's, I understand how the change is very scary, but I think that what is never going to go away is the need for humans to be creative, to develop their own creative voice and to develop their own emotional intelligence and, and emotional awareness through creativity. And I think this is a very valuable, this is where music education and music tech can really like, you know, on a big scale, like make the world a better place because Absolutely. every individual can, can benefit from this kind of bespoke ed, a music ed tech, um, platform that you guys are providing and that so many other, uh, music ed tech providers are enabling. Yeah. You know, Sean, I, I, I you, you, you just, pushed a button uh, for me. Um, and I think I was talking about, I, I did a webinar last night on how you can integrate flat into a music program, which is a great notation program. And it really doesn't matter what the creative tool is. That That is, in my opinion, the last thing that's important. It's more about providing the opportunity. And the reason that I think creative opportunities are so extraordinarily important for kids is my own experience and I, my own lived experience. And I'm, I'm, I wonder if this resonates with you. And that is that when you're a kid and you're, you know, you're going through life and all the challenges that uh, school and for me, it was bullying, you know, the, the kind of, um, you know, the, the not so nice parts of school when you're, when you're trying to find your way, when you're trying to find your voice, when you're trying to figure out who you are as a kid, for me, it was around the age of 10 
where I was, um, you know, not not having a, a terrible childhood, but but experiencing challenges uh, socially. And I found uh, composition. My mother was really cool and I was taking piano lessons and she introduced me um, to an amazing composer. And I, I went over to lessons with him and he would just say, play what you feel. And I had no idea what he was talking about. Um, and eventually some kind of little bubble, you know, popped. And I said, oh, I can, you know, I, I'm able to not just play what's on the page, but make up my own stuff. And mm -hmm. for me, being a creative person, musically was like a superpower. I felt like I had this really special gift, if you will. And, and it wasn't anything more extraordinary than any other kid has. It was just that within me, I felt this, I felt like I am a composer. So I got into really into synthesizers. I was composing from the time I was 12 with computers. Um, I remember my whole setup in my bedroom looked like a, like an airplane cockpit, you know, with all the lights and it, 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 it became my entire identity. And wow. what I want to say to any teacher listening is that I wasn't special. I wasn't any different than any kid that's sitting in your classroom. Uh, I was just given the opportunity and giving kids, in my opinion, the, and sorry to get on a soapbox for you, Sean, but giving kids the opportunity to be creative in a class with whatever tools necessary, I mm -hmm. guarantee you for many of them, you'll, you'll, you'll kind of engage that same feeling of the, the fact that they feel like superheroes. And, and I, I, you know, Sean, you just push the button. Sorry, but I, that is like what you just said was so important. And I don't think it can be understated or overstated to music teachers that you need to give kids this chance to be creative with whatever tools you have available. I'm so glad you articulated that from your own perspective and point mm -hmm. of view. Um, and there is you know, uh, something that I've heard, a discussion I've, I've heard from other teachers, something that I've heard you guys touch upon is how music teachers who are really coming from a rigid traditional background often feel threatened by things like modern band and music tech yep. because they feel like um like we're in a zero-sum game and it's going to take away students from their from their programs and i think that is very short-sighted and a real disservice to the community and to the students because it's not zero-sum and we really need to have this abundance mindset and make room for every kid to grow and develop themselves as full you know, fully self-actualized human beings yep. who have a creative voice. So yeah, there, there's room for all of it. Technology, you know, it's deflationary. It is becoming cheaper. It's becoming, it's democratizing music making. Um, and just to bring it back to the emotional awareness and the creativity, the development of the, of a student's voice, there's, there's room for that for every student in every music program. Yeah, here, here, uh, and uh, uh, you, uh, you're—I I can sense immediately that you and I are uh, very like-minded individuals, and so uh, yeah. Sorry for my rant, but uh, you know, I think I think Good. you know where I was going with it. Yeah, no, it's it's valuable to hear that. Thank you. So, um, when you were teaching at LAUSD, um, I'd love to hear of like the different types of projects, the music tech projects. I mean. I can imagine being in a state-of-the-art recording studio, you were doing certain types of projects. And when you were in your first job, it was at Walnut Park Middle School, I think that's the name, um, that you know you were doing different things. I'd love to know the kinds of uh, projects you were doing with your kids. 
Well, yeah, everything changed with COVID um, because that kind of forced everyone to be one-to-one with a laptop. So I think before that, you know, in my previous situation at Walnut Park, you know, we had a class set of um, tablets that we were able to use. And so there was a little bit of, um, you know, I really, I built a lot of music, like my own, um, my own music uh, curriculum to be used there. Wow. But when we all had to go uh, through virtual learning with COVID, <clears throat> that's when we, the district adopted Soundtrap. And that was a huge unlock because not only then could we have an entire class have access to a fantastic DAW, that's but right. it was also accessible through the, the learning management system, which is Schoology, in every other class. So that, that meant that all of a sudden music integration was not just something that happened in my class. I could collaborate with other teachers in my school and say, hey, all of your kids are using Soundtrap in my class. They can use it in yours too. How can I help you integrate music into your classes? So that kind of took everyone to the next level of using a DAW online. By the time I got to university high school, like I mentioned, I, I had the facilities to uh, to follow through on this vision, uh, my vision and the previous director's vision of a recording arts program. And I think one of the greatest achievements that, you know, we did things like, you know, scoring music to little film clips. Yep. Uh, but the thing that energized my students and the entire um, faculty and students at the school was the school podcast. I suggested this as a start and quickly made it student-led as quickly as possible. Awesome. We had, you know, a student president, vice president, someone for marketing, and we really built it out as a business. Um, and as much as possible, I trained the students how to run the program, uh, how to come up with ideas, how to recruit new students who would then bring new ideas. So we had like, like that was like the 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 shining star. And I all I also used soundtrap in every other class i mean my keyboard class my orchestra jazz band class and i did assignments like interview a grandparent oh that's about their experiences <laughs> yeah um and <laughs> i i started doing this um actually at walnut park um in the beginning but by the time and i did it every year with almost every student because it was it's the use case was beyond just a recording tech class. This was connecting to family. Yep. And I cannot tell you how many parents came to me and said this assignment that you did where my kid just, you know, the talk to me or my parents and asked me these great questions. They interviewed me. I'm going to have this recording for the for, forever. Um, so I did these sorts of assignments with all of my students across all classes. And then oftentimes certain conversations would bubble up and a student would say, I loved doing this. I want to produce something for the podcast. Um, so this, this, uh, it was called the wildcats, uh, podcast. This became uh, a real shining star for the school and case in point for using arts and music for community engagement. All of a sudden the principal said, Hey, can we invite the local superintendent? over uh, can we invite the school board member nick melvoin over can we interview the superintendent um carvalho on the podcast so this platform served not just to attract more students to my music program but then to attract attention onto the school 
um, which really creates a flywheel effect. You know, if, if a school is driving attention, the attention of school board members and other important administrators, that's going to drive more funding. Um, so that's something that I'm really proud of. Um, and I just talked with the, my, uh, the director who's taken over for me and he's still maintaining that, that podcast. So that's awesome. uh, yeah, lots of podcasting projects and, and composing with music tech, especially uh, Soundtrap, Logic Pro uh, and Pro Tools. So Sean, I, I, um, in the podcasting curriculum that I wrote for music first, uh, one of the projects was interviewing grandparents because my child had the same exact assignment when she was in high school and interviewed my mother and, and, uh, you know, it was for a business class and my, you know, my mom wow. runs a business and it's one of those things. It's, it's such a family keepsake. Now this, this video interview, of my older daughter interviewing my mom. I, I don't think it can be overstated again that, you know, music teachers can do really cool things uh, and, and, and make meaningful moments uh, outside of the classroom as well. So it's, it's, I, it doesn't surprise me at all that you would do uh, such a cool project. Um, and I'm glad if, if, if anyone's interested in checking out that podcasting curriculum, all those uh, you know, similar things are there because it's such a great medium and kids love doing it. They love consuming them on their own. So it's a, it's a fun thing that I, that I, I think anybody should uh, try incorporating. Yeah. So I have, um, I got two more questions for you, Sean. The first one is, um, on advice and I, I might throw a curveball to you along the way, but, um, you know. I'd love to hear how you learned about music tech. Um, you know, your own kind of, you know, you started out as an itinerant band director. How did you learn music tech? And then what advice you would give um, for others who, you know, every music teacher used music technology from March of 2020 until whenever. Um, yeah. Some of them completely abandoned it and swore it off and said, I never want to touch this stuff again. Some of it embraced it. Um, uh, you know, so it's not that music teachers haven't tried it. it. It's that they might've tried it without success, if you will. So yeah, your um, tech journey and, and advice for others would be great. Sure. I was a, a Mac kid. Um, I think in fifth grade is when we got our first Apple computer. So by the time I was in college, GarageBand was around and I was, you know, using GarageBand as much as I could to compose my own songs and, and record. Um, and I could just, you know, plug my guitar into GarageBand and create a bunch of music. So I was always familiar with that. Um, my one of my music tech teachers uh, at the University of Redland said, uh, would you teach the lesson on GarageBand? Because oh, that's awesome. it seems like you spent more time uh, learning on it, um, which is a really valuable experience for me because it, I didn't do a good job of teaching. <laughs> I think, you know, we learn a lot from our, from our failures and mm -hmm. it was amazing for this university professor to give me the chance to teach using my experiences with GarageBand. Um, because in that moment of, you know, me trying to teach the other classmates, I realized how I, you know, I could have done a lot better. Um, so music tech for me has always been like a tool for me as a creative person. Mm -hmm. But then like so many other people who listen to this podcast, music educators who are familiar with, uh, let's say music composition software, there are thousands of educators out there who need to create their own bespoke arrangements for their ensembles. Um, I've always thought that was fun. I've always thought arranging and composing is fun. Um, 
So now that things like um, flat and Sibelius and other music notation software, now that it's ubiquitous um, and so much more approachable, it's we can really enable students to have that that learning experience on music notation software. But I realize that um, not every teacher is an early adopter of technology like we are. Hmm. And sometimes it takes a nudge. And what I would try to encourage all teachers to do is recognize where you are on the spectrum of technology integration. And if you can just identify, okay, this is what I'm doing with technology right now. How could I spend 10, 15, 20, 30 minutes a week learning about something new that will then improve my teaching, improve my time, uh, improve my ability to assess students and have a greater impact in my, in my classroom, because simply that process of reflecting, how do I use uh, technology in the classroom and how can I move towards doing more? That's just going to move along everyone. And pro we need to focus on progress, not perfection. <laughs> yeah, no, that, I couldn't agree more. And I think that uh, I wonder what you think of this. Cause I, I have in my career, I must've trained 10, 15,000 teachers. I mean, it's, it's been a lot. I do. I, I train quite a few teachers and what I, what I always notice as a common theme is that they're scared to break it. They're scared that w whatever they click is going to magically break the computer or break the software. And then they're, you know, maybe they're going to be charged for it. I don't know what that fear is, but I see it very, very, you know, crystal clear that they don't want to click the wrong thing and make a mistake. And what I see with kids is they don't have that fear at all. In fact, they're almost trying to break it, right? They want to click every single button, click every menu, see what everything does. And they just don't have that fear. And maybe it's because they didn't buy it. And maybe the teacher's worried that if they do break it, they're not going to have that tool anymore. And what I what I would um, say, at least in the trainings, whenever I don't be afraid of that, the software, you're not going to bust anything. It's not going to blow up. You're not going to break the computer or brick it. What the, the worst that happened that, that can possibly happen is you might uh, freeze it and you'll have to force restart. But, you know, my advice to, um, you know, teachers is that your kids are right there. They'll help you, you know, and, and I think a lot of music teachers don't want to be in a vulnerable position like your professor. Um, asking you to teach GarageBand shows you, uh, or, you know, probably there's, it's a double-edged sword. It shows you that the teacher doesn't really feel comfortable teaching it themselves, but it also shows that they have enough confidence in you. They know that you are an expert and they're giving you this incredible golden opportunity. Um, don't be afraid to let your kids uh, even middle school kids, even elementary school kids, if you know, say, hey, does anybody know how to fix this? Does anybody know how to do this? Because pretty much every kid in the class does. And it, it's this weird position I find after training so many teachers that they don't want to break it. They don't like being vulnerable and they don't like feeling like they're inadequate or that they don't know what they're doing when really the answer is sitting. There's 32 answers sitting right in front of them. Oh, that's so, so valuable for you to articulate. And at what point in our careers do we, do we get stuck by like almost like a performance anxiety? And I don't know if there's a parallel between, or if this is unique to music teachers, but certainly through our music making 
careers in education, we get, you know, when we make a mistake, we hear it, our neighbors hear it, and the director hears it, and we get called, you know, a director's job is to identify the mistakes and help us get to as perfect of a performance as possible. So I understand where we get anxiety about making mistakes, but we really do. We need to be gentle with each other and just recognize like we're always learning. We're that that's what we're here to do forever. We're lifelong learners. And if we set the example for our students that I don't know everything, I'm not, (laughs) I'm not chat GPT. I am, I'm a student like you, I'm learning. And I, 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 I never had a problem saying, I don't know in front of my students. Um, yeah. And, and, I, that, and that, and I think the kids appreciate it, believe it or not. I, you know, like the way I always think of it is I'm the expert in music. I, I, I spent all this time. I wrote all these words. I, I took all these lessons. I spent all these hours in a practice room. I know music, yeah. you know, technology. Um, mm-hmm. I'm trying to, you know, bridge the gap between the two. And, you know, I found, and I've said this on this podcast so many times is that the biggest discipline problems that I had in my middle school classroom mm-hmm. were my best helpers. They were the kids who would who knew everything about, you know, how to how to log in uh, through a VPN to their computer at home to get around a YouTube block. I mean, my, yeah. my kids knew everything uh, about computers. I had a Mac in my when I was teaching, and they'd go into the terminal side of the Mac, which was scary to me. I'd be like, "What are you doing on my computer?" And they would log into their computers at home if the IT director in my school blocked wow. uh, YouTube. It was it was fantastic, and I I I think it's. I think teachers need to let go a little bit of, uh, you know, yes, we do have the podium. Yes, we do have the baton, but, but man, the kids are are always going to be the experts on this stuff. Yeah, that's beautiful. I love the way you articulate that. I appreciate it. Um, so, um, you know, your, your role right now consulting, I, I'd love for you to give a shout out to, you know, how, what, what you can do for districts. Cause I know that that's what you're doing with, curriculum and technology and leadership, what, what kind of, uh, you know, if, if, um, a school district is looking to, uh, do technology integration, how, uh, how can you help them and what services do you provide? Right. Yeah. I'm available right now for districts, teachers, and music software companies, um, whose goals align with mine of integrating music and really all arts, but integrating arts and music into every part of the school experience. And recently I've, um, you know, AI is up as, as a big buzzword right now. And sure is. I stumbled across a, this great company called wave AI, and they have a product called melody studio. And I was using it and exploring and thinking, oh, this has a really good use case for, for incorporating songwriting into any class, into any subject. Um, so I approached them and I said, look, this has a really good, um, use case in education. Let me, let me help you find, you know, product market fit for this. Um, so for example, I'm, I'm helping them connect with teachers, demonstrate the use case and build out their education platform That's awesome. um, for, yeah, for, and they're, they're a startup, they're doing amazing things. They're moving fast. Um, so I'm, that they are combining, you know, the three things that I'm really passionate about: AI, music, and now uh, education as well. Uh, that's awesome. Well, I, Sean, I think we're going to be having lots of conversations in the future. Um, before I let you go, and I'm by the way, now I'm immediately going to go to Me- Melody Studio and and look for a blog post in the coming week. 
Um, like I'm always looking for the, for cool tools. Um, but before I let you go, I'm going to ask you the final question, which is the magic wand question. And yes. that is it. If you could have music first, the software that we have or music tech in general, do something that it doesn't already do, what would it be? So I, I have three directions I can go and I'll try to get through all three of them quickly. Go for so, it, man. Really like that William Gibson quote that the future is already here. It's just not evenly distributed. And I think one of my favorite authors. So you just press another button. That's great. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, so I think that there are already students getting really optimal music making experiences in schools. And if I could wave a magic wand, I would just, you know, make those experiences ubiquitous and, and have them accessible to everyone. I love that. Um, the second thing would be related to teacher feedback. This is, um, you know, something that Music First does so well already is collecting data from students and and providing feedback on student performances and assessment. That part is so dialed in. But what I would love to see is um, support for teachers to become better teachers to help them reflect on their education process, because this is something that I. Uh, confronted when I was working on my national board certification mm. or that I had to record a video self, uh, a videotape of myself teaching. And it was so discouraging because I, I did a lot of planning and I thought, okay, this is the lesson that I'm going to record and I'll submit this and write about it. And when I recorded that lesson, it was incredibly discouraging. My heart sank because I, I just didn't, I didn't teach as well as I thought I was going to. Um, and I recorded another lesson and another lesson. And by the time I had recorded my fourth lesson, I thought, okay, that's good enough. That, that is the kind of teaching that I would like to be doing every day. Mm -hmm. So that process of video taping myself teaching, it did more for, uh, it did more for my development as a teacher as like going to any, any conference yep, or absolutely. Yeah. So that having some sort of element where. I mean, I'm really just like, this is like a, a, a magic wit. Let's wait. Oh, I love it. I, I'm listening loud and clear, man. That's cool. So, submit a video of a, of, you know, a teacher teaching and have it magically say like, these are the things you're doing. Well, I noticed you were roaming the room, checking in on individuals. Did you notice that, um, Alondra over there was crying because she's got a cracked read and she can't play, you know, uh, these things. And who knows how quickly AI can bring about this sort of thing, but teacher support would be pretty powerful. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. Uh, there was a third thing that I wanted to suggest too. And this is kind of related to uh, the melody studio of mm -hmm. the wave AI offers in the music composition um, platforms that you have with music first. I think it would be pretty powerful for those, especially the, the young music makers to say, okay, I want to create a f uh, duet for two flutes and I wanted to have this kind of emotion and, and almost like a text to a music generator yep. where you say, I want to have this kind of emotion, this kind of feel, and then boom, the AI generator gives you 10 possible melodies. And in that process of, well, it's like, it's like writing. If someone gives, gives you a blank page of paper or a blank manuscript paper, they say, write something it's hard. Hmm. But if you had 10 examples of a melody, to choose from and then you realized oh that's not it that's not it that's not it that, uh, that one right there that's the direction i'm trying to go so the kind of ai assistant 
yep. for the creation process would be pretty powerful too. I love that. Man, that's good. And I, but you know, the reason I ask this question, because people are often like, I this was the hardest question, is that I am listening so carefully because that helps drive the features that we build. I mean, obviously, AI and music first are going to be having a very happy marriage in the in the near future. That's what we're working on. Our little elves in the workshop are, are figuring that out. So when I hear these kind of ideas, I, I actually apply them. So thanks, Sean. Those are those are three fantastic ones. Sean, it has been an absolute delight uh, speaking with you. I'm sure we'll be speaking more in the very near future. I wish you all the best in uh, in France. Uh, and I, I, I hope you have a fabulous time and our, our paths cross very soon. Thanks so much, Jim. It's a real honor to be here. Like I said, I, I really appreciate all the value that you have provided, uh, not only to me, but all the other music teachers uh, around the country and around the world. So thank you very much. Oh, thanks, Sean. Appreciate it. Take care. Right, cheers. Thank you for listening to Profiles in Teaching with Technology from Music First. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. If you would like to stay up to date with other music teachers doing innovative things in their classrooms with technology, please subscribe to our podcast through whatever outlet you listen to podcasts on. Thanks for listening.